Hi, um, I'm here today with Gayatri Narine. How are you? I'm fine. It's lovely to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you for coming to our new program, mm -hmm. The Path to uh, Enlightenment and Inner Peace. Uh, it's a new program in English at Radio of Essence of Life. So thank you for coming. I love Essence of Life and thank you for having me. Um, so I understand, first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Brahma Kumaris? Because not many people, at least here in Israel, uh, know about it. So if you can give us a broad view of what the Brahma Kumaris is. The Brahma Kumaris, uh, literally the word Brahma Kumaris mean children or daughters of the creator. But of course, we don't want to be um, gender biased. So Brahma Kumaris would be children of the creator. And um, we started, the organization is headquartered in India, where we started from. And the founder of the organization was actually in undivided India. And he literally lived in what is today called Pakistan, Hyderabad, Sindh. And then after the partition, of course, he moved to India. And so the headquarters is now in Mount Abu, Rajasthan, India. The purpose of the Brahma Kumaris is um, purely, in one word, spiritual, in which the teachings and practice um, allows for an individual to reconnect to the true, authentic self through one's own explorations and discoveries leading to experiences that would allow them to elevate consciousness. And so it we call it, they move into a state of being souls or life, the essence of life. That's why I love right. that um, term. So they move back into that pure essence of life, which we call as the soul, the being, the life force. And in that consciousness, they are able to have a direct connection with a higher source a divine source, the supreme being, God, or however they identify with that. So that's the kind of essence of the Brahma Kumaris. Um, and it's done through a series of lessons that we call the teachings that takes one through understanding the self, understanding the connection to a higher source, understanding the law um, or the philosophy of action and reaction and interaction. And this is perhaps where the good deeds the of actions would come in. What consciousness would an action be done in? And what are the consequences of that? It also talks a lot about relationships, relationships with oneself, with God and with my fellow human beings. And the beautiful image for that is God being the seed of the tree, and the rest of us being souls of the living human world tree, and we're all in relationship. So that's basic of the Brahma Kumaris in terms of the teachings and who we are in terms of our organization. But one final thing that is unique, I think, for the Brahma Kumaris is that the leadership is of women. Because one of the things that the founding father, who is called Brahma, and we call him Brahma Baba, um, he had a, a series of revelations at the very beginning. And through the revelations, one of the directives that was received was to encourage and put women 
at the helm of spiritual leadership in the world. And so our um, administrative heads and our leadership, spiritual leadership is of women. That's wonderful. As you were talking, I had so many thoughts. Um, <laughs> uh, one thing I love the I like the vision of the tree. Um, I, I connect to trees and I, I think, you know, I always say that, you know, we are like a tree. So I, I totally relate to that. But one of the things I was thinking of as you were describing and I you were describing my spiritual path, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was like a feedback. Um, but there's one thing I wanted to ask you. I always thought um, many, many, many years ago that it was to really reach a consciousness, um, a higher consciousness and live that higher consciousness. Whereas today I see it a little bit differently. I see mm-hmm. it as bringing that consciousness into our body and actually um, living here in this body, mm-hmm. our soul. What do you think about that? I think that's very important because I think both are needed. You need to to reach for a higher vision. You need to reach out and connect. You need to reach for that which is sometimes described as the impossible and make that the possible. And so this thing of reaching is what I call pushing the boundaries of consciousness. Because if we stay in our bodies, for instance, and think this is all there is, everything that defines me is the, being in the consciousness of the body. No, that's not what I'm talking that, about. I'm sure that's yeah, not what you're no. talking about. But then if on the other hand, I say that consciousness is to leave the body, leave the reality of this world, leave the reality of what exists in terms of my everyday interactions, then that's a route of escape. I'm taking an escape route, but I have to integrate. I have to be balanced. And most importantly, I have to embody. So this word embodying is a fascinating term because before, you know, you would hear about the sages and saints and, uh, you know, the, the, the most exalted ones and the most elevated ones going and merging into the light and leaving their homes and leaving the reality of life as we live it on an everyday um, basis. Um, and that is what I call reaching out to such an extent that they forgot uh, an aspect right. of life and of living. But for me, it's pure spirituality and um, living in a consciousness that would um, would harmonize, living in a consciousness that would integrate, living in a consciousness that would align, um, requires of us to look at how we we elevate ourselves at the consciousness level, but how do we embody this consciousness that would create a transformative impact on our being, on our becoming, and on our doing. Exactly. And so, and in our day-to-day action. So we are embodying it. How do I allow my eyes to see differently from spiritual insight? How do I allow my ears to listen compassionately to what is happening in the world and in, in people's lives around me, you know, how do I taste? And now, you know, taste, it's a very interesting yeah. thing because now taste is not just what gives me pleasure and satisfy me, but how do I embody a kind of value that would allow me to, um, 
to be a better person. And so that's why people are moving toward plant-based diets. You right. know, how do I be in more harmony with that, with which the with the earth, which mm-hmm. that which I can give respect to and not just consume and not just abuse for my own survival. So I think this thing of embodying a consciousness that would allow for integration, balance and alignment is what um, aspiring or reaching out to a higher consciousness is all about. Wow, you say it so beautifully. I feel uplifted just listening to you. Um, it's funny when you started talking about the eyes and the ears, it brought me back to my days where I was studying at mm-hmm. the Brahma, Kumar, Brahma Kumaris years mm-hmm. ago. And one of the things that I took from there, I've taken a lot of things and I think, uh, uh, you know, I've taken for many different spiritual paths along the way. And mm-hmm. each time I take what's uh, precise for me and move on and, and evolve. Um, but you reminded me the eyes um, when we used to greet each other. And I'm, I'm sure you still do that. People uh, look into each other's eyes when they greet each other. And I find that so beautifully because it's like you really meet the person. It's like you see inside their soul mm-hmm. and connect. And I think that's something today lacking in the world that people don't really look at each other. You're so true because and even if we look at each other, um, what are we seeing? You know, um, you look at someone and they look away. Um, it's as though they don't want to see you right. or they look at you and say, why are you looking at me like that? Right. You know, exactly. <laughs> what is it you want and to see? I think the simple act of yeah. looking into each other's eyes, it's mm-hmm. like it causes a connection and intimacy. Right. And I think it's something that's so important in life. Yeah. Um, but that, it just brought me back as you started talking about. Right. And I want years. to share one other thing about looking. Um, and that is if I don't look at another and connect at the level of it's something more than just this body, something that unifies, something that right. connects, something that bonds us, then I'm not seeing the other. Exactly. And seeing is a way of appreciating the other and appreciating, of course, the other rises as a legitimate other in my own life. And so connecting to someone as a legitimate other on this planet, in this world, is the most amazing bond I could have with an eye to eye contact. Yeah. And I think it's beautiful. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to the Brahma Kumaris, because mm-hmm. you talked about the essence and that's so important, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. But you're actually, uh, the Brahma Kumaris is a world spiritual university with mm-hmm. many, many um, centers. Uh, could you talk about that a little bit? Yes, of course, we started in Mount Abu, which is where the headquarters is. And then in the early 70s, um, people in the Brahma Kumaris community itself had relatives and friends outside of the Brahma Kumaris mm-hmm. in India. And so they became interested in how do we bring this kind of teachings? Because they were seeing the impact it was having on personal life, but particularly on family life, and then bring it into the community as well, into their immediate communities. So then they started, why don't we just bring it through an invitation, word of mouth, inviting you to come out of India and then to come into other countries and share this, first of all, with our immediate families. And so we had invitations by families um, that would say, come and I would um, help you. And we would start something in our community, in our homes, with our families. And then the first center outside of India was in Hong Kong. The second one was in London in the UK. 
And the third, would you believe it, was way across the seven seas in the country I was born in, Guyana, in South America. And my forefathers are from India, but I was born there and I'm like four generations out of India. And so that's where I became, I came into contact with the Brahma Kumaris. Now, that was in 1975 when they came to Guyana, where I was. And from 1975 to today, we have over 100 centers in over 130 countries. And so it has spread. But actually, the seed of spreading was amazing because it was just from individuals saying, I would like to bring this to my community. And that's how it started. In 1980, um, we became affiliated to the United Nations in New York. Um, I was visiting New York and the center had just begun in New York. And um, I, I was asked, would you like to just volunteer for a few months? And I said, I only have three months. Um, and so um, I could volunteer with you for the next three months as far as uh, my visa would allow. And as they said, you know, the three months never came to an end because I'm oh, well, still living still in there. New York. I'll get to the U.S. <laughs> yes. in a minute. I, yeah. I would like to and talk so, to you about that. And then, of course, we got affiliated to the U.N. And then it started spreading. Um, because I way. actually, my first um, meeting with the Brahma Kumaris, uh, believe it or not, was in Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, I was invited, when you talk about families, I was invited to a family's home. It's a very famous family, so I won't talk about who they are, but, right. um, you know, several siblings and, and wives and the kids. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was invited to a meeting at their home. And that was my first um, encounter or relationship. Mm-hmm. And then again, uh, when I came to Israel and, uh, and met Sharana and the center mm-hmm. here in Israel. So, uh, and I've also been to Oxford in, uh, in England. So, so you have uh, a good idea yes, of, um, yes. how we operate around yes, the world. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and how, what I really liked, uh, maybe you could talk about that and then we'll get to the UN mm-hmm. is that actually people who come and study, um, they take it into their own lives. It's not like, you know, a lot of times people see communities where everybody's dressing in white mm-hmm. or, you know, it looks like um, you have to move over and, and become uh, part of that community. What mm-hmm. I found was that there were many professionals, uh, people in all walks of lives, mm-hmm. um, taking the te- teachings into their own lives, whether it's in uh, media or whether it's in business or whether it's in, maybe you can talk about that a little mm-hmm. bit. Definitely what you're saying is is the case because um Within the first understanding of the individual, which we would call the first lesson of understanding who I am, the amazing feature about that is that every individual being is unique. Right. And so the way that person would show up in life would be unique. And that's the aspect that allows us to have acceptance if we didn't understand that every individual was unique, then I'd want that individual to be like me and to clone me and to do what I want them to do and to become the same that I am. And then that creates communities that want to clone everyone to become the same. And so that is, would be against the, you know, the grain of the teachings or to become close as you're saying. And so to understand that the, the second level of the understanding is everyone is playing their role. The soul is playing its role. So appreciate that as a detached observer 
and no, try not to control it. But if you're a parent, you'll try to facilitate the growth of the child. But the child has to flourish in their own unique personality, as it were. It sounds like you're talking about essence of life. Yes, that's, <laughs> that is the essence of life. I mean, that's universally. Our organization, the essence of life. Says exactly. Exactly the same thing. And so, as the individual comes, and it's very much an individual kind of connection to the teachings first, and then you would bring it into your family, but you would bring it with the. Um, with the principles, not to, to drop the control factor, to drop the um, wanting to others to be the same, the sameness factor, to drop the um, us and them factor. You know, we belong to a certain clan and we're different from others, but to look for connections, to look for that which would um, would open wider horizons um, in seeing people's lives and to look for that which connects. So all of that is within the understanding of the self, um, bringing it into the family and then bringing it into the community. So understanding the soul is then, okay, understanding the role, but how do I then connect the soul to the role? Usually we try to take the role that the person is playing and then identify the soul on the basis of the role and then we limit we are not, we, we kind of uh, create clusters and clans and stuff like that. But then if I connect the soul, the essence of life to the role that is being played, then there's a universality that is being experienced. And then there is allow everyone to be themselves, allow them to be who they are, allow them to show their unique nature and their unique being to the world. And so I think that that even though we do have people coming to the centers, even if you go to the headquarters, for instance, right. you would see people showing up in different colors. But by the third day, they're all in white. And then you'll say, but we didn't ask you to wear white. Oh, but I think it's the climate of the culture here. And I think it's nice to do that. But it's their choice. They would do it on the basis of choice. And then they would leave again and, and, and into their colored well, clothes and back into their know, world. I think it's also a matter of respect. I, yeah. for instance, I got mm -hmm. up this morning and I said, what do I feel like wearing? And I knew you were coming in white and I felt like wearing yeah. white. It's not because, you know, I have to wear white because you're wearing white because mm -hmm. I wear every single color. Uh, but I think it's a it's it's like um, celebrating with who you with who you're meeting with. In other words, like when I would go to um, somewhere religious, okay, mm -hmm. and I would dress appropriately. I exactly. think it's a matter of respect as well and choice and choice. You know, and and that's the deepest form of respect. Yes. When I uh, take my choices or make my choices on the basis of a mm -hmm. respect that I feel. Exactly. Yeah. So that's how we are in in that way. And so we allow people to embody, I come back to that word embody, to embody the truth of their authentic self um, as spiritual beings while living their lives in the way they're most comfortable living their lives. So the teachings, is it through meditation? The teachings were revealed knowledge that okay. our founder had. And so there's a, you know, as I said, there are lessons that embody the teachings, but the teachings are going to remain as teachings, a theoretical framework, right. if I don't do the meditation part of it. So the meditation part of it allows me to bring the teaching to the level of experience. And then we call, we use the word inculcate to allow the experience to mold and shape my being in a way that reconnects me to 
really who I am, my true self. My true self. Yeah. And then to allow that to get manifested through my awareness, my attitude, my behavior, my insight vision, my perception, and then into my action. So let's go back to the UN. You mm-hmm. are a representative. Uh, what does that mean? I'm one of the representatives. Okay. Actually, we have a few of them. And it literally means that I'm the connection between the Brahma Kumaris and the United Nations. Okay. And I'm kind of like a facilitator to make sure that the um, the affiliation we have with the UN, the Brahma Kumaris, with the United Nations, um, that is being upheld um, with the highest integrity. So, for instance, we can't, as the Brahma Kumaris, um, use the United Nations as a forum to proselytize um, or to do our teachings. Why we are at the UN? It's because the UN has programs that need to be brought to the people and the people to understand that the UN is working on their behalf. The governments through the UN are working on behalf of the people. So the people need to know what it is that the governments are working on their behalf. I mean, what are the programs? Like the sustainable goals. Like the sustainable development goals, like UNICEF and children, like CSW, Commission on the Status of Women, what is being done with women. Now, they're all under the sustainable development goals right now, but they're also departments and programs in their own right um, that we... You see, the UN is a broad area of programs that you could get involved with. So we go in with what is called a non-governmental organization. And the UN allows for non-governmental organization um, in its affiliation that they would ensure that we are representing the voices of the people. And so we have to bring the needs of the people to them and take back what they're doing to the people. So within the different programs like women, we not only look at what the UN is doing at headquarters, whether in New York, whether in Geneva, whether in Vienna, or whether in any of the um, regional offices, but how do we take that back onto the field, into the villages? How do we connect it back to what women's needs are at that level. And then when they have their annual conferences, how do we bring back the women's voices from the field into the Commission on the Status of Women at the UN? How do we bring that and let the governments here and let the UN here? So that's the role we play. It's more like a a bridge, I would call it. I'm interested to know um, spiritually your outlook on women because my feeling, and a lot of times... Um, you know, I, I've been in business for many, many years, and I would always encourage uh, having women on the board of directors and in management. And mm-hmm. people always said that I was, you know, pro-women, and I would always say I'm pro-balance. Yeah. I think it's very important, you know, mm-hmm. um, that you know men are unique in their way and women are unique in their way and that we complement each other. We all mm-hmm. have feminine and masculine energy within us. And I think it's important to have that balance. How how do you see that? I agree that there needs to be the balance and there needs to be a balance that goes back to the essence of life. You could see how much I love that. (laughs) And the essence of life actually begins with women, because when you look at birth, you know, the whole process of giving birth 
is with a woman. It's with her body. It's with sustaining that umbilical cord, you know, connecting her to that fetus, sustaining the fetus, the child being born, and the um, nurturing and everything happens. But you still can't do it without the man. You can't do it (laughs) initially without the man, but I'm talking about the process thereafter. thereafter. Of course, the man is very important. I'm not anti-man here, but I'm talking about a process that is pivotal um, and rests heavily on the woman. You know, and that is the woman of once conception starts, the responsibility that the woman, that woman would have there on with that child. And um, so that for me is what the Sustainable Development Goals is all about. It's that, you know, something is created, something gets its inception and early childhood development then in terms of the process, the sustainability factor of the process, a woman could tell you that, what happens thereafter. That's so interesting what you're saying, because when you think about it in spirituality, mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. least, you know, everywhere that I've been and I've been, you know, looking and and, and um, processing and, mm-hmm. and going through this evolution, spiritual evolution for mm-hmm. many, many, many years, probably 40 years, mm-hmm. Um and wherever you look, it's usually the women that are in the for- forefront of uh, spiritual growth and the men come after. You can see this even in couples. A lot of times when you go to a class, there's, you know, many, many, many women. And then there would be maybe an odd couple of men. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, and so it's interesting. As you're telling me this, it sounds almost like, you know, the manifestation of it as well as women going through this spiritual process first and then men coming along. Yes. And this is why right now with a place like the UN, the women have to come and I'm talking here balance and balance the equation that's happening there. Because if you look at the whole sustainable development goals, which is a comprehensive agenda for transformation in the world at all levels Mm -hmm. and within every sector of, uh, of what's happening in the world, of the world's issues, um, then you could see it's, I always say it's predominantly a, a male agenda because it was a lot of energy and a lot of input um, of our brothers, as I would call them in spiritual okay. terms, okay. that invested in the research and in, you know, coming up with this agenda. And of course, it goes back to the Millennium Development Goals. Mm-hmm. And now it's uh, morphed into the Sustainable Development Goals. And so now in its implementation to make it happen, I think this is where the balance of women is very important. But it's interesting because I I was talking about these sustainable goals many, many, many years Mm -hmm. before people were even aware of them. Mm -hmm. Um, In the business world, you know, I was pushing forward on all of these um, values for many, many years when people didn't even understand what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. So when I today meet with, you know, even banks that I used to talk to them about, um, you know, where to invest money. And they Mm -hmm. looked at me like I was crazy because I I said that the impact was so important uh, for the future of our world. Um, at the time, no one understood. And today, because of the UN goals, mm-hmm. um, everybody's starting to speak that language. Everybody's starting to get it. So it's so important. Um, and I'm so glad that people like you are there, mm-hmm. you know, um, pushing and making sure that these things happen. 
Yeah, but not to um, de-emphasize your input, Sherry, in what you have done in the past, because I think this is what spirituality is all about. It is not about um, immediate success when something is amplified on the world stage. Now, the UN has amplified something that I don't think the UN and the people who who amplified it could take credit for totally. Because it's people like you who were part of the process doing this that we all ended up collectively showing something that they needed to see. And when they saw it, they gave it a framework and they give it something. But other people were working. Now, from a spiritual perspective, and this is where the spiritual dynamic is very important not to dismiss after the bigger picture has come into being, comes from the little people doing something consistently and systematically with a faith and a conviction that this is where the world needs to go, first of all. We are the people who will make the sacrifices and continue with the commitment to take it there. And when it becomes a reality in terms of a physical reality, we will continue to sustain it. We may never be acknowledged as one of the ones who put the drop or did that good deed of uh, of being part of it, but that's irrelevant. That's totally irrelevant. And, and I think so, everyone has the role yes, to play. Of course. And for me, the biggest thing is... Um, for people to know that it's possible. Yes. It's possible to create this this positive change. Mm -hmm. Um, They just need to visualize it, see it, have Mm -hmm. the will um, to do something about it. And, um, and anything's possible. Right, and um, to continue with the good deed today, yes, you know, thank dedicated you. to sustainable yes, development I was goals. You before yeah. we came online, that yeah. Good Deeds Day is starting in India. So yeah. good luck to India and Good Deeds mm. Day this next. Um, and maybe we can connect it to the sustainable development yeah, goals, you know, because be that's so beautiful. A Good Deeds Day for SDGs. Yeah, it's wonderful. wonderful. Thank you so much for coming to our show, and it was so nice to meet you. Thank you, and Sherry. A lot of good luck. To all of us, to you and to the Barma Kamaris and to all of us. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs>